Welcome to All Ears Podcast. In today's episode, we speak with Jonathan Locke to find out how he won the pitch to the FIFA campaign. No, my, my beginnings actually came from um, being the only person in the whole of the Vodafone business globally with yeah. an Apple Mac computer. Because the marketing director, a very switched on guy, decided why are we paying all these agencies to do all our uh, graphic design mm. when actually what we really need is somebody switched on within the organisation who can do it for us. Mm. Um, there's obviously a cost saving to be had there because you're not outsourcing to a bona fide agency with a huge day rate. Um, and obviously you've got control as well. You know, if you're sat next to a guy with a Mac and you have an idea, it's far easier and quicker to get that idea yeah. down as a visual than it would be to say, hello agency, can I book in some time? Exactly. Oh no, we don't have time at the moment. Maybe talk to our studio manager. When's he available? Oh, he's busy now till next Tuesday. So the whole, the whole thing is a lot slower. Yeah. And some I mean, things never change, right? Because that's the same now, really. It's, it's, it's the same now. Well, it's, it's the same. Um, that, that's, that's generally how agencies uh, behave on the whole, in my experience, is that the, the process needs to be fairly long and drawn out and you have to go through various gates for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is that if an agency is good, they'll be busy. So the, the right people to work on that particular job will be busy at the time that a client comes to them with a, with a request. So then you find yourself in a situation that you, you can't access the person that you want to talk to directly because he, he's busy doing something else, which is mm. great. And I guess that's what you want, is you want, you want people to be busy because you know they're good. But as a client who might have, let's say, for example, a last-minute window in a advertising calendar, they can't wait. Yeah. So what an in-house resource will give you is that agility to jump on a, on a problem and act straight away, straight mm. away. And you can get instant feedback and you can just wrap things up a lot quicker. I guess, you know, and it, it's horses for courses. Agencies are very, very good at all the big strategic thinking because they come as part of a team, obviously, and each of those team members have its own skill set. Whereas if you're using a freelance or a small in-house team, you don't often get that breadth of service. So I've never seen it as you use an agency or a freelancer. You just have round pegs for round holes, really. But I think where, where the two needs can overlap is a job like, for example, uh, the FIFA pitch that I won back in 2009. On the... On, on the face of it, that job was a was a large kind of global campaign, you know, very highbrow, Lionel Messi, Wayne Rooney, all, all these kind of names banded around. So the, the job and the fact that 9 million people bought this game, this franchise, every year, gave it the kind of grandeur that could be quite scary to, to a lot of freelancers. They'd think, oh, I wouldn't mm. be capable of doing a job like that. That's far too involved. Um, that needs to be with an agency because agency have more people and have more experience. When you actually unpick what that job was and how I came about winning that business was that it was just a, it was just a, a, a series of gates that you kind of had to walk the client through. So obviously mm. needed a, needed a concept. Um, 
when you, if you know the FIFA franchise at all over the last kind of 10 years, you'll notice that all the covers and all the global key art is very similar. It's, it's generally the talent that they've secured that year, whether it be yeah. Ronaldo or Rooney or Messi. And by the time you've got him and his mugshot on the front of that cover, and you've got that signed off by himself and his agents and all the sponsors and all that kind of stuff, there's actually very little you can do with it yeah. other than apply a, a, a nice graphic effect to it. So I think- Can when, I when, ask a question on how you got there? So you've gone from Vodafone being in part of a team, mm. having a Mac being the guy that they go to because it's quicker and easier. Mm. You then get to the FIFA job, which is at that no, point- No, so you're I missed out a whole freelancer. chunk of my life actually. So what, yeah. what, what happened was- um, so I started working at Vodafone, um, built up a, an in-house team at Vodafone. So I had a, a couple of uh, juniors work with me and we produced a little in-house agency. Um, what happened then was uh, uh, Vodafone also had lots of other agencies. It, it wasn't just uh, you know our, our job to produce global campaigns. We weren't good enough, to be honest. But what we were good at, like I said, was turning around stuff quite quickly. That would be far too expensive to go to an agency to achieve. Mm. Um, but what actually transpired was one of their agencies, um, Avio, who won the Vodafone accounts, they found it quite difficult to, to uh, transform their designers from having a, a super creative outlook to something which didn't necessarily need to be groundbreaking creative for Vodafone. It just needed to communicate a very clear message in an on-brand way and be very smart and very tidy. So their frustration was they've got these amazing designers producing this amazing work, but it didn't quite hit the spot. So they basically approached me and asked me if I would join their agency to be that kind of um, conduit between their creative people and the Vodafone brand just to make sure that it said the right thing and did the right thing. Because I'd been at Vodafone, I'd been... Um, exposed to the marketing and brand team. So I knew the lingo and mm. I knew ultimately from the client side of why people did design and that design work had to actually achieve an objective. It didn't just do it because it looked pretty and it yeah. stood out. It actually, you know, there was you, a reason you, for doing it. You're, you're selling <clears throat> tariffs and you're selling phones at, at that point. So you can come up with the most crazy cryptic ideas in the world, but ultimately if they don't get the sales, it hasn't worked. So, my my training at Vodafone and my first job at Vodafone was actually very useful because it gave me the platform to understand design from business point of view first, yeah. which then meant jobs I've had um, since have grounded me in knowing that when I do a creative piece, that piece has been briefed to somebody like myself or an agency because there needs to be a result from it. So, they, you know, clients don't just give you two grand to do a logo because they want it to look pretty. Well, some do, and that's where their brands ultimately fail. But the idea of design and creativity from a commercial aspect is making sales, um, getting people to engage better with your brands. It is to form an action, um, and it's, it's, it's a lot to do with the substance of what you're saying and how you're saying it not just have I used the most beautiful font yeah. and have I rendered it in 3D because I want to kind of uh, fulfill my own design kind of aspirations. Mm. It, it's less it's less about that and it's more about, you know, un unfortunately in some cases, making money yeah. and getting people to um, act and changing people's behaviour based on a message that is smartly laid out. So anyway... Long story short, I went to Avio Agency, so I kind of came at it from the other way round. I learned about the business of design, 
and then kind of learned how to be a better designer at the agency because I came at it very much from a brand policeman point of view and it was all about restrictions. You can't do this, you can't do that. But actually working at the design agency and being exposed to the talent there allowed me to grow my own creative freedom as well. So although I was still um, grounded in the business reason of doing design, I was then encouraged actually to explore how you could achieve the same thing, but with a little bit more flair. Other ways to tell the same message. Yeah. But ultimately uh, we, still have the results attached to the end of it. Yeah. So it it, it was a big wake up call for me because it, I, I very arrogantly thought, well, I know everything about design. It has to achieve this, this, and this. But actually, if you can do that with some beautiful flair as well, it doesn't need to be to the detriment of the result. The two can go hand in hand. Mm. Um, and you get different designers. Um I'm much better at laying stuff out and making somebody understand what I want them to say, whereas another designer who I would work with would be far better at adding that kind of creative flair to it. And, and hopefully a marriage of those two minds would give you the best outcome, which is why in a lot of ad agencies still now, you get an art director working with a copywriter in a, in a two team. One person does the words and the emotive feeling behind it, and the other person will bring that to life visually. Mm. And that's, uh, that's often a very good kind of marriage. So from there... Um, I worked at Avio for about six years um, and then decided I just wanted a change of scenery. So I freelanced for a bit. Um, free, I, did, I did the London freelance circuit for a while, worked at places like uh, J. Walter Thompson, Spinnaker, some of the, some of the bigger um, agencies because I wanted to, to experience everything I possibly could and kind of see what it would be like to work for some of these agencies who are very, very highly regarded because I was just really, I was just curious really to see. So was that you going into those agencies as a freelancer and yeah. being contracted? Being contracted. So it would, it would generally, another thing about freelancing as well is it, it isn't always glamorous. So a lot of mm. the times you end up at these uh, larger agencies is because you, you're either ending up doing the work that they don't want to do, mm. or you're doing the work that is kind of left over, which somebody needs to mop up. You, in my experience with, with the larger agencies, you would just do the scraps, if you like. But w the way it was useful for me personally was you get involved in creative conversations. And if you don't, I made myself get involved in those conversations because I just wanted to measure myself against these so-called kind of gods of design, really. Yeah. I guess. So, so I guess from a freelance, <clears throat> freelancer perspective, everybody approaches that differently. So me as a freelancer would approach it differently to yourself. And then you going into other agencies to gain as much experience as you can to then be able to go at the industry with all of this experience. Would you say that's probably the better approach? Certainly was in your, in your um, day, but is that the better approach for a freelancer or should they learn as much as they can from a university, um, do some concept work, um, that type of thing. Cause I guess you could do both, but a lot of people tend to want to get to work quickly to earn as much money as they can. That, and that's it. And I think, I think the, the advice I would give then is probably very different to the advice I'd give now. I, you know, now this unique situation we're in, I, I guess it's individual as well, isn't it? I mean, for me right now, um, as a, as a business owner, my most important thing is making sure we pay the bills because, 
we've gone a, a, a period of time where things have been uncertain. Now, had you asked me the same question in 2009, there was a lot of work around. Yeah. So you, you could almost guarantee that you'd be busy and then you could be a little bit more choosy on where you would work. So, for example, as I said, I, I wanted to work at JWT, so I made sure I worked there, whereas now... I've been a queue of a thousand freelancers scratching around, yeah. and you know the, your your day weight rate will be driven down because the the demand is there. Yeah, some um, people will be looking to work for free to gain that experience and that's because it. that's valuable to them, I guess. And that's it. So I think that the the, the uh, advice would change now. I mean, now I would say, if any if anybody looking to go freelance now, I'd first of all ask them if they were um, mad um, <laughs> because. You, you, there's a lot to be said right now for having a stable job, especially in design. Mm. Um, maybe brave is a, is a better word of, of mad, but I'd, I'd, I'd definitely ask people to consider the kind of um, weigh up the, the the lovely aspects of having the freedom to work when you want and mm. freedom to work as much as you want and weigh that up with the ongoing uncertainty of will I get enough work? Exactly. And I guess at the moment, it's probably a conversation for another time, but there are definitely pros and cons to both, mm. you know, being your own boss, for example, being able to choose your hours and all the rest of that, or going into work, having that stable income, having pension and all the rest of that as well. Yeah. And I guess maybe we don't touch on that yet, but I, when you said 2009, all the work was coming in, you mentioned about FIFA doing that job, the glamorous part of that, talking about Rooney and Messi, how is that in terms of designing though? Because I guess from a design perspective, us playing the game, mm. you see the case as it is and you think, well, that must be a photo that someone's taken of Rooney running on a football pitch, right? You, you would think so. Yeah. And, and it might be, it, but um, it might be <laughs> that actually it was just his leg <laughs> yeah. in, the, in that photo. Um, and uh, what you might not realise is that some poor soul would have looked at maybe 10,000 images of Wayne Rooney and that image might be cut together over several months mm. because Wayne Rooney, for example, might not be happy with how his tongue looked in a particular shot. Not mm. saying that happened, maybe it did. Um, so, so a lot of work does go into it and I think um, that, was, that was a good job for a freelancer at that point as well, because the, the kind of the amends and the edits came in thick and fast. And I mm. guess if you're working in an environment where you have to book in time with an agency and a specific designer and he's not available, then everything slows down. So the, the, the good thing about myself working on that job was a client would ring me up and I would be the person actually clicking the mouse. So yeah. there was no kind of lag in request from action. It was all very live. Um, calls whenever they really wanted them and uh, that it so it worked very very well so um like i say it, it's it's horses for courses really and advice i'd give to freelancers would be kind of know know what the jobs are that you are best at achieving because freelancing especially right now can be fairly stressful because of uncertainty so the last thing you want to do i guess as well is take on a job because you're fearful that you might not get other work, but actually work out that that job is going gonna, is gonna to be very difficult. So I would also advise freelancers to know what they're very, very good at, and if at all possible, 
search for that work. Mm. Don't be tempted to go for absolutely anything you possibly can. Um, obviously, you have to be a bit flexible because the demand isn't there. But it, when you're just starting out as well, what you don't want to really do is take on a job that you can't do because it will shatter your confidence before you carry on. Yeah. So even if you are not working on the best brands in the first year or the first months of being a freelancer, what you can do is build up your confidence and learn tricks along the way. So um, a lot of the stuff I learned about using software was on my year on the freelance circuit in London, was just by learning stuff from other freelancers. Yeah. Being in-house or even at an agency, your ability to learn does have a ceiling and it is based on the smartest people within that particular agency or other people you can ask. But when you're freelancing, you meet people from who've been traveling. So mm. you meet people who've been on artworking catalogs in South Africa to digital designers from Japan. You just meet so many kind of a mad mix of people and you take on subliminally the things they tell you and you learn, you learn tricks, mm. you know, and you teach them stuff that they didn't know. And it, it, it's all more of a kind of, um, you learn from each other. And that is Definitely what I found the biggest benefit out of freelancing is you just learn yeah. all the time. It's quite invaluable. Really. All the time. I guess from my own experience, it's been, um, I guess, 14 years ago when I was doing it, it was more about learning as much as I could on YouTube. And mm. I guess the, the amount of resources that there are online, you can learn a hell of a lot doing that. But what we, I guess you don't get from that is the feedback, the instant feedback on what you're doing. Mm. and saying, oh, I've done this. What do you think about this? And then there's a bit of a collaboration to it. Um, one of the things I was doing as well, because I didn't have the luxury of getting a, a high-profile job or anything like that, I used to do concept work. So taking on something that I enjoyed, i.e. Marvel or DC, and deciding to redesign their website, even though they would never use it, I felt that that was a good experience for myself yeah. to do something I enjoyed doing yeah. because you put more time into it. Yeah. That's it. Um, but yeah, I guess everybody's experience from a freelance perspective is going to be different. Yeah. And a lot of the scary parts come from being alone in your own thoughts in the sense of, am I good enough for it? Mm. I guess the answer there is there's always going to be people better than you and worse than you. Yeah. And what you need to do is understand that design is like art, it's subjective. Mm. And as long as the results are attached to the end of that and that you're doing it for a reason, chances are that you're going to be correct. Yeah, that's right. And I think also it is um, as well, there's a lot of fear around freelancing. There certainly was in my case. When I first landed uh, a contract at a London agency, I, I already had the doubt of, well, am I going to be good enough because this is London and this is where stuff mm. happens? And I've been at this kind of agency in Berkshire and I've, I've been at Vodafone. So I, do, I didn't really feel particularly worthy, but you, I mean, the, the best thing you can kind of do in that situation is kind of be honest and remember that a client has paid an amount of money to have you in that seat for a day. So it, it, it's very easy as a creative person with a, with a slightly introverted outlook to kind of think, oh, I can't do that. I'm going to quickly try and do that. And you end up clicking the mouse around and getting in a bit of a fluster. It's actually better to say to the, to the studio manager or other designers, look, you know, I can't do this. Can you help me out? Mm. And a lot of people, I think, see that 
cry for help as a weakness, but actually it is a strength and it will build trust with the person who books you and they're more likely to book you again. Mm. If you say you can't do something, then it doesn't waste anybody's time. If you're agonising over a design piece because you can't work out how to do a particular thing in Illustrator, all that will happen is you'll get to your deadline, you won't have achieved much and you won't be asked back. Yeah, And I think people, people recognise honesty and they respect it. And I think that if you can retain that kind of integrity, I guess you'll, you'll get more bookings through that than you will potentially if you're the most flary designer in the world, if that makes sense. Mm. I mean, now on the other side of it, having booked freelancers for my own business, I definitely would rather have somebody who is honest, hardworking and proactive um, over somebody who was a, a, a bit troublesome but was an excellent designer because at mm. the end of the day you, you work with people and you've got to be able to do a job with a yeah. person in a team environment so you, you you've got to kind of um yeah just just be honest and do what you can do and you know I think that way as a freelancer you'll get a lot more ticks next to your name next time than you will black marks and that, that is important nice